set your alarm for Saturday mornings on KYMN for the Raider Wrap. Join me, Jimmy LaRue, at 10 o'clock each Saturday as I talk with area coaches and gather insight to the ins and outs of high school sports and activities. A.J. Reister will bring you up to date with all the scores and highlights of the week, along with one-on-one interviews in our segment of Meet the Raider. It's all right here Saturday morning starting at 10 a.m. on KYMN 95.1, The One. AM 1080 KYMN, now on FM 95.1, The One. The same great programming, now with better sound. Joining us now in our studios is the superintendent of schools in uh, Northfield, Dr. Matt Hillman. Matt, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. It's my pleasure as always. Yeah, but, uh, a lot of good things from last night, or at least uh, several, some some good news things. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we'll, we'll all take good news. Yeah, let's start off with uh, Nancy Antoine. Uh, the, uh, yeah. you know, one of your uh, principals was named the uh, Principal of the Year right. and re- recently received that honor. Yeah, so Nancy Antoine, who is our principal at Bridgewater Elementary, well-known in the community, has been with the district for uh, around 15 years. Uh, last spring, she learned she was going to be named Minnesota's National Distinguished Principal uh, at, by the uh, Minnesota Elementary School Principals Association, and it's an award that's sponsored nationwide by the National Association of Elementary School Principals. And Nancy officially received that award last Friday at a celebration event in uh, Washington, D.C. And so Nancy gathered with all of the other National Distinguished Principals from throughout the United States, uh, she had, had a lot of energy and excitement upon her return of some of the really neat things that she learned that uh, other schools led by National Distinguished Principals are doing, and she's excited to bring those ideas back to Northfield. And again, just a hearty congratulations from our entire community uh, to Nancy, uh, just an outstanding principal, so focused on kids doing well in all aspects of their life, uh, very supportive of families. Uh, so we're very thrilled that Nancy was able to receive that award, and I know that all Northfielders join me in congratulating her. Uh, it is the most prestigious award that a principal can win in Minnesota. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a neat story, and we uh, congratulate her and thank her for her service and, and, and in advance for their future service as well. The uh, the school district, actually the, uh, the, the county, also recently got a uh, grant, some grant money to start a new program. Tell us about it. So this is a really exciting uh, opportunity for Rice County residents, and it's something that's called the Healthy Ways Program. So this was a program that was formerly called Healthy Harlem, and it's from the nationally known Healthy or Harlem Children's Zone, which is a similar collective impact project to what we have here uh, in Northfield called Northfield Promise. And so the Healthy Harlem Program was really designed to make sure that uh, kids and families learned how to take better care of themselves by, according to their website, making thoughtful choices and establishing lifelong healthy habits. And Rice County was selected as the first of what they call replication site. So uh, the program has a number of evidence-based practices. So what evidence when we talk about evidence-based practices, what we mean is that those practices that they're using, the things that they're teaching, the kinds of programs that they're having children participate in and families participate in have been studied and have been deemed to be effective in terms of improving health outcomes for students and families. Um, And it's been researched. 
And so now they're to the point where they're so confident that the approach that they're using with the Healthy Ways program, that they can take it and replicate it elsewhere. That's a big step, right, when you're studying and looking at what are some of the important things uh, as part of a program that we can learn and then cross-pollinate, I like to use that term, you know, to other communities. So Rice County is the first replication site of the Healthy Harlem program, or that now it's called the Healthy Ways program uh, in the nation. And so Rice County received uh, the grant. The program will be run through our community school here at uh, Greenville Park Elementary and then in Faribault at their community school at Jefferson Elementary. And then, of course, one of the things you need to do right after you get a program going like this is you need to hire someone to be the champion or someone to run it. And I'm really uh, proud to share that Diego Calvario Bravo, who is a Northfield High School graduate, uh, he grew up here, he went to Northfield High School, he played varsity soccer for us, was a torch student, recently graduated from St. Olaf College where he double majored in kinesiology and Latin American studies. He is going to be uh, the first coordinator of the Northfield Healthy uh, Ways uh, program. And so we're always excited when we can have a graduate come back and uh, begin a, a new program that's going to have an impact on hundreds of kids and their families. So uh, more to come on this, Jeff. It's going to, again, it's going to be the, the programming will be delivered through our community school model that has been very successful. Uh, that programming is either, it has started, I believe. And so um, we're very excited to be able to offer this to our community. Do you have an idea yet, just kind of a rough idea of, of what it's going to look like, how, you know, where the where the rubber hits the road, yeah, you know, where the kids are concerned? Yeah, that's currently being is developed, that, Jeff, okay. so you'll, you, we'll have more details in the coming weeks. The first piece is getting the replication site uh, approval, mm-hmm. and then the next step is actually operationalizing the okay. program, which we have a long history of being able to operationalize programs, so uh, I'm, we'll be happy to bring folks in to talk about it as we get that program up and running. It sounds good. We'd like that. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we still have a pandemic going on, and uh, COVID-19 has, I'm not sure, we, we get reports that it's up and then it's down, and it has been uh, pretty much a year and a half like, like that. Where are we at right now within the school district? So I think the key thing is the school district tends to be a microcosm of the community, and so uh, what we know is that over the last several weeks, we've seen uh, really kind of a steady increase, not wild jumps right in the last few weeks, but we've seen a steady increase in the number of cases within Rice County. So for example, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the reporting period, September 12th through the 18th, there were 171 new COVID-19 cases in Rice County uh, the week of September 19th to the 25th. So two reporting periods ago, we were at 188. And then just this past week, we were at 192 or 193. So we, we've heard that it's cresting, but the crest appears to be very slow here. And so really kind of a sl- still on a slow increase um, at school. Uh, what we have been doing is we track every day. So right now, um, as of uh, yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, we updated our dashboard. So right now across the district, we have a total of what we call what are 15 active cases. And that means that those 15 cases across the entire district have been reported to us in the last 14 days. So every day there might be some cases that come off that come out of that 14-day window. And of course, you know, uh, there's some days where we have new cases that come out. So currently we have 15 active cases as of right now. And total, going back to August 31st, we've had a total of 46 new cases among staff and students during the school year. And you can take a look at our COVID-19 dashboard. Uh, You'll see that we provide the current number of cases at each building and the total number of cumulative cases, uh, and then the last time that we update it. So right now, when you think about probably roughly 4,400 people on camp, 4,300, 4,400 people on campus every day, 
when we think about those number of cases, um, and especially seeing that we have still have not seen spread at school. And we think it's those layers of mitigation that are really helping in terms of our universal masking approach during the school day, um, making sure that kids who aren't feeling well are home, and just taking those, the, what we call the layers of mitigation. Our goal is to keep this out of school to the best of our ability. You can't, right? It's a virus. Uh, as Dr. Osterholm says, it's going to find you, you know, and uh, we want to just make sure we take all the reasonable steps that we can to try to keep it out of our school so we can keep after our goal of uninterrupted in-person learning. All right, let's move on. Uh, One more piece yeah. on COVID, if I yeah, can share do, with that. Do you have that. This is a, a pretty important piece. So one of the parts that we are working on to address is quarantine, Jeff. So we have far fewer quarantines this year than we did last year because when everyone is masked, if both parties in an interaction um, were masked and one person has uh, tests positive for COVID-19, uh, the person who is just the close contact doesn't need to quarantine. But we still have students who have to quarantine, and, um, whether they might have some um, minor symptoms. So uh, the decision tree that we use from the Minnesota Department of Health says you should stay home if you have one more common symptom or two less common symptoms. You and I both know those common symptoms also look like things like the common cold and some other seasonal allergies. So we do have kids who are presenting a couple of less common symptoms who are staying home, and that they could stay home for 10 days under that quarantine. And again, that's a layer of mitigation to keep this out of our schools to the best of our ability. Students can come back if they take a COVID-19 test, then it's a negative test. Now, we can only accept the PCR test, which is typically a saliva or a swab test, or something called a molecular test to allow students to come back. We've heard clearly from families, Jeff, that they are struggling to get some of these appointments. We do have some capacity in town. Uh, you can get uh, tests at a line of clinic by calling them, Northfield Hospital and Clinics uh, and Walgreens. But we know that those appointments can be sometimes tough to get. And the state offered a grant to schools uh, to be able to set up some of their own testing. So we are going to be setting up our own. We've along for since last December offered families the vault saliva test. That's something that we've provided people. Uh, they take it home. They Zoom with the vault company. Uh, they complete the saliva test. They send it in, and usually a day or so later they get the results. But that's really not fast enough anymore. So we were able to get for free from the state uh, several thousand actually of what are called the Q tests, and these are rapid molecular tests. It's a non-invasive swab test. We were able to get those for free. And the district, uh, all districts in the state were offered a grant to support some COVID-19 testing, again, to help increase the testing capacity in their school community. And so we received a, about $220,000 from the state that we can use for staffing or things to help implement uh, a testing program. And so we're going to do that. We've heard from a number of families that they just would like to have some more local access to a quicker COVID-19 test. So we are working, we are planning to do a drive-through uh, testing program at our district offices. So we're finishing the logistics on it. We anticipate we'll be able to start offering some appointments next week. It'll be an appointment-based system. Again, people would pull up their, in their cars near the district office. Our staff would come out and uh, help take the nasal sample. And then uh, it's a very quick turnaround. It's about a 20-minute test. So you take the test and then there's a piece of technology we get you know, that allows us to process the, the test result right on campus. Um, so it's something that's much more quick in terms of returns and that molecular test. Uh, our local epidemiologists and other folks tell me that it's as accurate and as sensitive as the PCR test. So I just think it's important for the community to know that we have heard from our families who are just wanting a little bit more quicker turnaround time uh, for an appointment you know, and for being able to get those results. And we're uh, responding to that, listening to our families and saying, yep, we can offer that. 
to be clear, uh, this is not our job, right? This shouldn't be our job, but we all have to work together in the community during the pandemic to serve our families in, in whatever way that they need. And so this is one of the things we're not replacing any other testing program. You know, we're just simply trying to offer another option for people so that they can get their kids back to school. Again, that goal of uninterrupted in-person learning. All right. Uh, boy, it's amazing that they can do that in 20 minutes now. It's, it, it's the, the remarkable technology, yeah. remarkable yeah. technology. Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman, is with us. You were in a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the uh, enrollment and yeah. the uh, October 1st numbers are very important for school districts, uh, not only you, but around the state. Uh, you have, I'm presuming you have those numbers now. Uh, can you give us uh, some insight on what they say? Yeah, you bet. So uh, the October 1 enrollment date is important because it's the uh, it's the enrollment that the state will use for many of our calculations for funding. Now, to be clear, it's a snapshot in time. And as we talked about the last time, the levy process is actually a multi-year process. And so um, after at the end of the year, they'll go back and look, was that October 1 uh, enrollment report right? You know, Was it the actual number of students who ended up there for the whole year? And there's some cleanup financially over the next couple of years to make sure that we get the amount of money that we uh, were entitled to have. But when we look at this year's October 1 count, and I'm going to specifically use what we call full-time students, our overall enrollment number would include students in our early childhood program and also some part-time students who attend the Area Learning Center for things like credit recovery to make up credits that they might have not uh, been able to earn uh, in the regular time frame. So when we just look at those full-time students, uh, our October 1 enrollment this year was 3,810. And when we compare that to the end-of-year enrollment report last year, uh, we're down about 22 students, which we projected. So we've talked many times on this show, Jeff, about the demographic projections that we had done approximately eight years ago that said Northfield schools would decline in enrollment by around 200 students over a 10-year period. We're on track with that projection, number of reasons that that could be. Um, but when we look at that number last year to this year, 3,832 at the end of last year, we look at the number to uh, the October 1 this year, 3,810, you know, we're down about 20 students, which is right in line with what we projected. But there's another part of the story that I think shows how we are holding our own and probably better than than maybe some of us thought we would. So it's important to look at how many students graduated and how many new kindergartners we get, right? So we graduate a 12th grade class and we bring in a kindergarten class. Last year, we graduated uh, 326 students and we brought in 243. Now that, uh, that, this, this year's kindergarten class at 243 is much bigger. There, we had 204 last year. You'll recall there were a number of kindergarten families last year that chose to keep their children home for one more year so that they didn't have that disrupted uh, academic year that we are all anticipating last year, which we didn't have as much of that as maybe some people might have thought, but it was still an unusual school year last year. So that's one of the reasons we think we have a, a, a larger kindergarten class this year compared to last year. But when you think about the overall enrollment going down by 20 when you actually graduated 326 students and brought in 243, uh, we'll be getting some more information. The next step in our enrollment analysis is something called the Enrollment Options Report. And we'll be sharing that with you in probably one of the next two meetings, Jeff. And the Enrollment Option Report takes a look at every resident student in the district and puts on paper where they are attending. It's, of course, aggregate. We don't have students' names next to you know where they're going. Um, but what we have is an aggregate to say, okay, there were 32 students that chose to go to this school district uh, who are district residents. There are uh, five students who are choosing to go to this charter school. And then we do it the reverse way too. We bring in the aggregate of other districts 
and how many of their students are coming uh, to Northfield Public Schools. So we know there's been a lot of shakeup over the last couple of years and people uh, making choices educationally, whether that be uh, the traditional public school choice, which Minnesota has one of the most robust systems of public school choice in the country, whether it be choosing a, a private school, or in some cases we had seen an increase a little bit in our homeschooling. So we will we will share that with you coming up. The enro- This enrollment report is important. That next layer gives us a little bit more explanation about where did kids land, and, and you just need some time to get that done. Superintendent Matt Hillman uh, is uh, with us, and we're talking right now about uh, enrollment. Actually, why don't we move on to our next topic, because we got a few more minutes. Yeah, that's the strategic plan. You've been working on that. Right, so uh, a strategic plan is so important for an organization because it casts the vision and what the expectations for outcomes are. And so we have an excellent school district, but we also want to be able to show people uh, objectively that we are meeting the expectations that the community has for us. So our strategic planning process uh, has been a little longer than I normally like, um, but just obviously it's a pandemic. So we started taking feedback last spring. We had several sessions for our staff to provide feedback. Some of our advisory groups and a student group we had provide feedback. This fall, as I've shared before, you know we've had several sessions uh, for parents. We actually held a strategic planning in the parking lot, strategic planning session in the parking lot outside my office so that if people wanted to come uh, unmasked, they could do so. We held one inside. Uh, we've held one via Zoom. We're holding one on Thursday night that will be translated into Spanish so we can make sure that we get the feedback from our Spanish-speaking community. So we have received a lot of feedback uh, about where people would like to see the school district and what outcomes they'd like to see us have over the next five years. The next steps will be I'll be taking uh, that information. I'll be putting it together in a series of objectives for the next five years. It's my role to put that together, the draft portion. I'll be sharing that again back with our administrative team and our staff to get some feedback. I'll be sharing with the board and asking for their feedback. Um, we'll uh, seek some additional community feedback about the draft product, and we anticipate the board would adopt that on December 13th. They'll have a couple of uh, opportunities to hear about it, of course, in the November meetings, and then uh, we'll ask them to officially adopt whatever it ends up being on December 13th. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll have uh, more time to talk about that uh, in uh, future uh, shows, so we'll uh, just wrap it up at that. Is there anything else you'd like to pass along before we let you go? Just again, Jeff, we so appreciate KYMN and the service that you give to our community, just helping people become informed. So thanks for taking the time to bring local officials on. Well, thank you for the kind words, and thank you for coming in today. Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. You're listening to 95.1 FM and AM 1080, streaming online, kymnradio.net.